Hi, this is the seventh episode of the Happy Manifesto podcast. Hello from me, Henry Stewart. And hello from me, Maureen Egbay. So, and today we have one of our clients talking about how they put into practice the ideas of the Happy Manifesto. But first of all, Maureen, what brings you joy at work at the moment? So I was thinking about this and... um not so long ago, I wasn't feeling well. I was under the weather. So it was doom and gloom in the household. Oh. And I know, just, you know, feeling low. And then I had a knock at the door, a little surprise, a bunch of flowers. And it was from everyone at work. And that really lifted me up. You know, oh. it was a beautiful bunch of flowers. So I thank everyone. And I was getting messages on the WhatsApps, like, I hope you're feeling well. So, you know, that really made a difference and really gave me joy in the moment I wasn't feeling too well. Oh, that's glorious. That's glorious. And how about you, Henry? How about me? Well, I uh, held a Liberating Structures real live classroom event last week with my colleague, Natalie. And I don't know if you uh, people know about Liberating Structures, but they're, they're how you can give everybody an equal voice rather than having one or two people dominate. And they're absolutely brilliant. And it was so, so great and engaging and people really took it on board. And it was just a great event. Oh, well done. Congratulations. And I know Liberating Structures is excellent. I enjoy, I enjoy using it. You do? It. Yes, it's, it's good, isn't it? It really is. What is one happy nickable? So, um, a nickable for me at this moment in time, um, was just thinking about a word, work product that we created at Happy. And it was about creating this product, but I had the freedom to do this. So it's a strategy that we use called Freedom Within Guidelines. And I really, 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 really think that this is something that needs to be shared. It's to allow your people the freedom within a guideline to show their excellence when they're creating a product, uh, following through a task, whatever it is because what it is is that you'll get to see how great they are and how excellent they are rather than them trying to replicate somebody else's idea and what they think will work and what was the product so it was our apprenticeship um workshop for the global majority so um it was really good to spend time actually yeah, just getting down into it rather than being told this is how it should look like or this is how you're meant to do it because you built that whole program, the Global Majority uh, Apprenticeship Program, over the whole 18 months, didn't you? Yes, yes. Looking at how to fit in the idea of making sure that inclusion is at the heart and giving a platform to create leaders of the future, aspiring leaders, taking into consideration the challenges that they may face back in the workplace due to their backgrounds. Absolutely. And we're getting quite a lot of uh, uh, work on that, aren't we? We're getting, we've, we've got various councils are interested in what used to be called BME, but is now the global majority. Yes, totally. And it's it's needed. There has to be a change. And the only way that we can make a difference and make a change and create great leaders is to actually talk about this subject and also support people to be able to achieve that. Absolutely. Well, I had a little session with some of my colleagues yesterday. And one thing that really came up for, for me was that the team's effectively take their own decisions so me and me and Kathy we we try and make no decisions at all and what happens is the teams make the decisions so for instance on our on our four-day week people often say to me oh do do the managers tell people you know which days they work 
Well, of course, uh, happy they don't, do they? It's the teams that work out when they work and how they how they do their job and everything about their role. And just talking about that process, it was quite easy because everybody, because we were all involved, we were happy to make compromises, you know, of that when is the best time, making sure that everybody felt that they had an opportunity to choose. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on then to Jason. This time we have Jason Mitchell, who is VP of Customer Experience at TypeFI and is on our Level 7 uh, Senior Leaders course, what I like to call the Happy MBA. So, Jason, tell us a little bit about the idea you have for creating a happy workplace. Okay. Um, Well, thanks for having me, Henry. Um, As you mentioned, the Happy MBA, my first tip really is to put people before tasks. At the beginning of the Happy MBA, you very kindly gave all the participants a happy planner. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have you know that I'm now starting my third happy planner. So I guess I must have been using it for 13 months now because there's six months in a planner. And um, I've really enjoyed it. That's not my tip, by the way. That just sounds like product placement. But I've liked the way that it focuses on the eat four frogs, the three, two, one, zero to control your email and really keep you that sort of focus. That you'll have to you'll have to explain to people what the eat four frogs and three, two, one, zero. Oh, well, of course. Well, the eat four frogs is when you start the day, you think of four things that are the most important things you feel you need to get done that day. And then you do them in priority rather than just having a gigantic to-do list that drags on forever. And the 3210 basically is you check your emails three times a day for 21 minutes. And by the end of the day, you have no emails in your inbox to tame that beast. I love it when people actually do that. So you're actually uh, putting that into practice. Yeah, I, I, I'm very religious about it now, actually. I, oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. I have one channel where if something's urgent, people can contact me through a direct message in Slack. Mm-hmm. And I will respond live to that, but I won't check an email. I do it first thing in the morning with Typeify our teams all over the world. Yeah. I do it again first thing, US, well, not first thing, but sort of 9, 10 a.m. US morning to accommodate any things that might have been asked then. And then I do it once before I sign off, uh, right. and that's it. And I try to stay away from it as much as I can. Well, did you have email overload before? Definitely, yeah. And I think um, that forcing myself to actually respond, delegate, or turn it into a task to where I know that's something that I need to come back to another day. It's just solve that because you don't have that funny prioritization within your inbox where important things are mixed up with not so important things. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So I've been using that plan, the planner very regularly for the last year, year and a bit now. At the beginning of the summer, I felt like there were a lot of plates spinning in my life. Well, I've got the happy MBA. I've got my the work, of course. I'm involved quite heavily in two community organizations, plus I've got a young family. So and things started to feel like they were kind of a little bit out of sync. So I did something unusual, and I actually booked a cabin by a lake for two days. Oh, wow. And, um, I went there, the well, three days, two nights. I went there the first um, night by myself. My wife joined me at the end. And I, I'm a big fan of these enormous post-it notes that you can put on walls. You know, they're like the wall chart. And I sat in this little cabin writing down all the different things that just didn't quite feel in sync at the moment. Uh-huh. And then spent probably a couple of hours doing that. And then sitting in the cabin with a cup of tea, I was looking at them and realized there was a bit of a pattern emerging there. That these things, even though there were some to-dos like 
tidy up the garden or whatever, because that was driving me mad. A lot of the things weren't actually tasks. It was that relationships were getting out of sync. That I wasn't spending enough time communicating with people, whether that was in the community organizations, work, family, whatever. Tasks were getting too much of a high priority. And funnily enough, this week, reading a, a book, I came across a quote that really spoke to this. Uh, and it's, action has meaning only in relationship. And without relationship, action on any level will only breed conflict. The understanding of relationship is infinitely more important than the search for any plan of action. And so I came back after this long weekend at the cabin. <laughs> right. And Henry, I've made an adjustment to your happy planner. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> where you have have the appointments, um, I've turned that into a little box with a person drawn at the top of it. Oh. And, I, and I start off each day thinking about the people in my team and the wider company, but especially the people in my team who I need to talk to. Uh, and I split it up to, because of time zones, the ones that I'll, I'll prioritize talking to in the morning and the ones I'll prioritize talking in, in the afternoon. <laughs> and by talking to you, I mean really reaching out to them and having a conversation and checking in on something. These aren't scheduled one-on-ones, which might occur anyway. It's more of maybe, maybe there was an awkward meeting and I think something didn't sound quite right with this person. So I'm going to check in with them tomorrow in the morning and see what's going on with them. And sometimes it could just be because we are remote and we work in so many different time zones. Yeah. Maybe it's been a couple of weeks since I've actually had a proper conversation with someone in the team. So I'll just reach out to them. And I, and I and that reaching out bit's really important because nothing's scarier than someone who you perceive as your boss saying, do you have a minute? Because um, <laughs> of course people think, oh my God, what's about to happen? So it's always a very jovial kind of, I haven't spoken to you for a while or just wanted to catch up with you based on the meeting yesterday to, to hear, hear what's going on with you now. Uh, so they feel, you know, they don't feel any tension about that sort of catch up. So that would be one of my first tips for, uh, my first kind of nickable of a thing that you can do as a leader, prioritize those conversations with people. Even if it's just a conversation when someone's come back from holiday right. over the tasks, which we always feel are so important, like finishing the budget or um, yeah. finishing their report. Cause I think those five or 10 minute conversations where you're reaching out to someone, um, it builds a great foundation within a team it, mm-hmm. and it ensures that there's that flow of information, the channel's open, that there's no bad conversation, cholesterol clogging everything up and you you feel on the same page as someone. Now, how often do you typically have a conversation with somebody? Um, if I'd gone more than two weeks without speaking to someone, I would definitely reach out to them. We have a very complex matrix of projects. So I normally cross paths with people two to three times a week, I would say. There's about 12 to 15 people in the in the team. And um and about half of those would also report to someone else with other responsibilities. And I presume you're not telling them what to do. You're you're No, not at all. And and, and that's in, interesting because I didn't actually make that clear. It's it's these catch-ups really aren't about have you done this by Wednesday? Because now it's Wednesday. It's not about yeah. that. A lot of it's about checking in with workload, noticing that suddenly a lot of work's going to one person. So let's, you know, checking in and seeing are they handling all of that okay? Is yeah. there anything I can do to help them? A lot of it, if I feel like maybe there was a, a point of tension between mm-hmm. um and, and a and a meeting of some sort, checking in with that. Or also just thinking if they maybe not quite sounded themselves. And one of one of the big drivers of this at the moment, as you've probably seen in the news, um, we have an office in Sri Lanka, and they're having an extraordinarily tough yeah. time at the moment. Wow! 
And so I check in with everyone in the team there pretty regularly because they really are dealing with, they're not dealing with work problems, they're dealing with serious life problems and, and doing a phenomenal job of still um, delivering all of the work. If, if some auditor of, or some sort came into Typeify and looked at the delivery rate uh, of what that team's been producing, they, they would not be able to find a, a drop-off in productivity. <laughs> and that's just amazing. Um, because they are all dealing, especially the ones who've got young kids, they're dealing with a lot there at the moment. So um, put people first. I know that's a bit of your mantra, so I don't think you can nick that one because I can. <laughs> it's a good one, though, isn't it? But- yeah, it really is. And another, another one of the bigger changes I've implemented doing this, um, the Happy MBA, is well, maybe it's not something I've implemented. That's the wrong way around because that makes it sound like I really thought this through. And it's more something that I've learned, which is. Um, that actually it's really powerful to step away from making the decision mm-hmm. and to let people in your team make those decisions, even if you feel a little bit uncomfortable with them. I think as a company, we're still working through this. I think it's not something that comes naturally to all of us. And I'll probably say that because for me, it definitely didn't come naturally. For me, I think up until recently, I, I thought a good manager was someone who got a lot of things done. Right. And and now I think actually a good manager is someone whose team gets a lot of things done. It's it's not about absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's quite a difference, isn't it? Yeah, it is a huge difference. It's a huge difference. Can um, you give a story of where 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 you have stepped back and somebody has? Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, one of the biggest things was someone expressed um, a real keen interest in doing project management, mm-hmm. which is something that I'd been doing our projects for the last six or seven years. And for me, I always knew I wasn't quite giving it the attention it deserved. And so she qualified, um, did an online course uh, with the um, Institute of Project Management. And we slowly transitioned projects, a couple to begin with. And now it's it's completely in her hands, managing all the projects within the team. Sometimes there's some exceptions if she gets over if her workload gets too much and I'll and I'll handle one or two every now and then, but ninety-five percent of them are hers now. And it's just so much better, I can't even tell you. And it shows the difference between someone taking on a responsibility when they're really passionate about it versus someone taking on a responsibility when they know it needs to be done and it's important. And there's a huge difference there. The quality of work that she produces, if I'm being honest, I would never be able to do that. I, it's just not something that I have that passion to put that extra 10% in that she does. Um, and I know the clients like it. I can see the difference immediately. Actually, just this week, she got a bit more involved in a, le- in a long-term client and running the meetings a bit more. And straight away, the tone of the meeting changed. It felt more active. Uh, it had more momentum. And it's brilliant. And the other interesting thing about that, um, often with these project calls, I'm often still in 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 the room not always, but normally in the in the virtual room. But if she's the one asking the questions around deadlines or tricky situations, and 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 she is seen one hundred percent as a peer of everyone else in the team, there's a whole lot more um, psychological safety and transparency there. People feel a lot more comfortable saying, "I really don't feel comfortable with us being able to meet this deadline to her," than they would have to me or. Even maybe some of the senior salespeople or the or the CEO, because there's that always that hesitation with someone of you don't want to let your boss down, 
there are certain stages which we seem to to be at at the moment with quite a few projects where we're finalizing the initial stages where I'm involved. Uh, but I am trying to pull back even more from that to where it's only, I'm only involved when it, when it's critical and, and she feels or wanted someone else in the team feels that it would be helpful if I'm involved. And what have you, what have you seen as the benefits of, of stepping back? Well, I think there's, there's a couple of angles there, really. I think for me, <laughs> I've done something that I should be doing for my team, which is I've, I've made my role a little bit more suitable for me. Um, so I'm, I'm spending more time doing things that I'm passionate about. Hopefully that's improving things in the yeah. company in other ways. Um, but the other angle, of course, is for especially with her, I know for sure she enjoys her role a lot more now. So she's highly engaged. Mm-hmm. She She's definitely gone into that learning and growth zone now, 100%. And because she is so much more effective at it and giving it so much more energy, projects are smoother now than they were when someone who is trying to balance project management with managing the team and right. culture plus whatever the leader other leadership responsibilities. And so it, it's been one of the biggest improvements in the company, I think, in the last nine months, I think. It's about when we started it towards the end of last year. Excellent. Yes. So stepping back from those decisions, I think a really practical thing people can do if they're a leader to do that is even if they feel like they need to be in the room for those meetings, don't yeah. be the chair. And if it's a project, appoint someone else to manage that project because it just creates a different level of psychological safety. I, I know you're really familiar with this phrase, HIPPO, the highest paid person's opinion. Yes. And there's something about asking someone else in the team to be the chair of the meeting that mm-hmm. somehow slightly deflates that HIPPO opinion because it just becomes one of the other people in the meeting. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's still a little bit there, but I think it's um, it's easier for everyone else to to join in the conversation. I think, yeah, because it's absolutely true that I mean, this Wiseman said this in multipliers that uh, you need to if you're if you're the the manager, you need to speak for less than ten percent of the time. Yes, that's really interesting. That ten percent, I mean, that seems really low, but I I think that direction is one hundred percent correct. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, we've been redesigning a website for the for the last few months, and there was a really interesting correlation between the three companies that pitched to us. And the correlation was the one that we liked the most was the one who spoke the least. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's interesting because now, of course, <laughs> you're not meeting in a room, you're doing something like this. And then so you can go back and watch the recording and really observe this factually that actually with them, they just kept asking questions. And we kept talking about ourselves. 80% of it at least was us talking about us. And we all left going, they're brilliant. Whereas <laughs> the other spectrum, the one who was giving us a slide presentation and telling us how great they were and how they had all these clients and they, they, you know, all this experience to reassure us, we kind of left and thought, well, they do seem good, but I didn't, somehow didn't have that spark. And I think that's an interesting correlation. There's there's a great book by Patrick. I think it's Patrick Lencioni who who uh, explores these consultancies where, or in, at one level, they give a big slideshow. They talk all about themselves and don't get the work. And this yeah. other this other company comes along and just asks questions like 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 they did, and yeah. and they get the work. It's really interesting, isn't it? Should I talk a little bit about our new review process that we've implemented? Definitely. This started at the beginning of the year. Um, we were coming to that point in the calendar where it's time for the annual reviews again. Now, this was a decision that I made. I'm, I just thought I'm not going to do another annual review cycle. 
I'm, I'm just not going to. Uh, part of it was I, I've never really felt that comfortable with them myself. I think all the reading and the learning from from the Happy MBA just solidified that. And it, it was it was almost one of those things of like your head goes into a different space, and you just, you just think there is just no way of going back. Physically, I would not be able to sit down and do annual reviews with a clean conscience ever again. So I got the team together to talk this through and decide how we would, what we would do instead, because there needs to be some sort of feedback loop. You can't go on without a feedback loop. You've got to have something. I provided a few materials, a couple of links to like corporate rebels where they were talking about different companies and what they did. Um, But we ended up coming out with something that I feel is, fairly unique to us. Um, it combines different things though. But once a quarter, the entire company has an all-hands bulletin. So we all get together, the leadership team and and about half of the speakers are lead- from the leadership team talking about what's going on in the different departments. And the other half are people within the company who maybe have made a change or developed a new product or have an interesting story to tell. But one of the purposes of the all-hands bulletin clearly is to let everyone else know this is this is what we're doing, and this is what our key goals are for the next quarter as a company, uh, and a bit of an updated performance and all of that. So the day after that, I check in with my team, and there's about 15 of us. And the first thing is just to see if there's anything that anybody really wanted to talk about in that all-hands bulletin, but maybe were a little bit hesitant to put their hands up when the whole company was there. Uh, happily, there's not often too much of that. And then we look back at kind of what gone well in the last quarter as a team. And we we do a lot of um, kind of liberating structures and breakout rooms to get people to talk about things and share information when they come back about what what went really well. And then we do some sort of brainstorming exercise. And I must admit, the last one I did was a catastrophic failure. Um, (laughs) But the first one worked a lot more, (laughs) was a lot more successful, where we try to get everyone to come up with an idea. At the moment, a lot of it seems to be about removing pain points. Um, so one one of the ones at the moment we're working on is re- reorganizing our internal wiki so that it's easier to find information. It's okay. kind of fallen out of shape. And people are saying this is, you know, these things are just a drain on their time. And, you know, so trying to improve things like that. Mm-hmm. And we're making plan a realistic plan over the next quarter. So two or three things that we're going to do. Uh, those are delegated. Who does what and when? And we focus on that as a team for the next quarter. This process is still evolving. And I'm going to nick your idea that you shared on LinkedIn recently about asking the team about a, the, you know, how happy are they in their roles? Because this mm-hmm. is an area I really want to dig into. You know, How can we make people's roles more suitable to their skills and interests? But I think it's the, the review cycle is overall is working really well. I think we've got a good sense of momentum that things are constantly evolving I think one of the downfalls of these annual cycles are that people make these really ambitious goals and then they do them for about three weeks and then everything just kind of slides back to normal for the next 49 weeks. Whereas we're making these consistent step changes and it, I'm hoping that um, this makes everyone feel that their ideas are really properly being listened to, that they're owning part of resolving these problems and uh, moving forward. Excellent. I did also have three very quick tips for bringing joy to work. The first one really ties into the idea uh, of the quarterly review. Support your team to pursue their ideas for improvement. (laughs) 
not yours. Okay. And my rationale behind that is that they are so much more likely to succeed because it's something that they really want to do. And if you support them, they'll they'll push on and you get this momentum. And if that worries you as a leader, don't be worried because there are endless opportunities to influence and in, and improve these suggestions and, and coach and support to help them accomplish those goals. And those goals are going to be easier for them to accomplish than the ones you tell them to do. And then my mantra at the moment at work is, and again, there's a lot of this is because we're a remote team in lots of different places. And you've always been a remote team, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, always, always. Is embrace asynchronous working. Mm-hmm. You just can't have this notion that people getting up early or staying up late to attend a meeting shows a dedication and a drive because really it just leads to burnout. I've come as close as I can to banning status updates in any meeting. <laughs> uh, we use Slack and all of that I feel should just go on Slack. People right. can see what the status update is. We prioritize that sort of communication in an asynchronous way so that whenever I wake up, I can see what the updates were from people in the States overnight. And I don't have to wait until they wake up to have a conversation about that or get five people together. And one of the really positive outcomes of this is you get such better feedback than you do in meetings. To me, it feels like people take time to think about it. They've actually thought, this is something I need to sit down and think about. Perhaps it's one of their frogs they put in their happy planner. (laughs) And um, they've got a cup of coffee down. They've got a spit of silence. And they're really looking at, say, the draft banners for a conference or something. And they're providing really positive feedback. Whereas if you're doing that that live, there can often be this situation where people feel they must say something. Mm -hmm. And so they say what the first thing in their head is. And maybe aren't quite as thoughtful. Not that they're trying to be rude or anything. It's just, I think when you're giving, give people that space to give feedback in their own time, the feedback really improves. And the, the final one, especially for remote teams, is celebrate, 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 celebrate. Absolutely anything, everything you can. So whether it's a work anniversary, right. finding a new client, getting good ratings on the sports site, um, new releases of product, uh, really just about anything. And how does that work? Is that is that you send it out to people or you do it in meetings or, or how does it, how's it work? We do the overwhelming majority of that is done through Slack in an asynchronous way. Definitely all birthdays and anniversaries are done there. I make a point of giving a bit of a stat summary every week on what our ratings are from customers which I'm proud to say are always excellent. I mean, I can honestly point to the number of times in the last five years they haven't been excellent. And it's because we're a software company. Sometimes a new release comes out and there's something a little bit buggy and a couple of people get upset about that. What what type of I does? (laughs) Now, as I've just provided feedback on the marketing banners, I should be able to do that very easily. (laughs) What Typeify does is we very quickly, in an automated fashion, create highly designed documents from structured content. So translating that to a real case scenario, the World Health Organization store all of their information in Word documents. They push a button and they run them through Typeify and they create these fantastic reports that look like they've paid a designer to spend days designing it. But really it's gone through Typeify in 15 minutes maybe. I'm sure you've picked up a Lonely Planet or a Rough Guide or many other travel guides. A lot of those are produced using Typeify as well. 
I'm going to have to ask for feedback from the marketing person now, if they listen to this podcast, to see how well I summarize that there. I'm feeling a bit under pressure now. I think you summarized it very well there, <laughs> And let me ask one other thing. As I say, you've been you've been uh, remote for, for because you're all around the world yeah. forever. What do you feel about the ideas that people should go back to the office? Well, that's interesting. I have, I have um, a couple of thoughts about that. I don't think it's so much about where you work. It's about how you work. And I think I'm, I might have mentioned this to you in a previous conversation. I think being in a room with people suits a certain type of individual and, and social style better than others. Whereas this sort of environment, being on Zoom, I think allows a different sort of person to to step up a little bit. I think what's been really interesting, it's hard for me to say anything about this with Typeify because I've been here for nearly eight years and it's always been remote. But it's been really interesting with the Level 7 MBA because it's all been remote. And as you know, we we met for the first time a couple of months ago and it was really noticeable. People who have quite a big presence on Zoom sometimes got a bit quiet in real life. Oh, really? And some people who, um, I was going to say, some people who are quite loud in real life were really quite on Zoom, but I'm not sure if it goes the other way. I think some people feel more comfortable on Zoom than, or Teams or whatever that might be. Wow. I think this drive to get people back into the workplace is because the people who were in charge of most companies a few years ago, all those personalities who operate a lot better and influence people a lot better when they're all in a room together. They have a presence um, or something that comes across, whereas on Zoom, you have to communicate effectively in a different way. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if they feel less influential on Zoom. And so I think that's part of the drive. So do you think it's different set of, if we, if we are Zoom-based, a different set of leaders will emerge? I think so. I think they would. I mean, 100% there would. I think there are people who have an enormous amount of empathy, which is great for a leader, uh, are very thoughtful people, um, which is great for a leader. And that comes across, uh, and for a lot of them, I think it's easier for them to to do that when they're in this sort of environment. Whereas if they're in a, a room and there's a lot of big personalities there, then maybe they go in, in, their, in their shell a bit, uh, not quite as confident to speak out. I think it changes the dynamic of a workplace completely. And I speak this personally, thinking of all these sort of remote kind of conferences and other things that I've done since the pandemic. I can tell you my networking abilities are times 50 on Zoom versus in real life. When I think the conferences in the past, I, I was always someone who, okay, coffee break, lunch break, find someone I know and very hesitant to talk to someone else. But on Zoom, if I'm sitting in a breakout room with two strangers, I feel very comfortable sort of in a conversation. Though they have to be breakout rooms, don't they? In many, there, I've been right. to so many conferences where there aren't any breakout rooms. Yeah, which is really crazy because breakout rooms, I actually think breakout rooms are great fun. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really interesting to go to these conferences and just suddenly have two or three people potentially in different countries, yeah. completely different sort of professions and given some sort of maybe even silly topic to talk about. It's really exciting. And, I, you know, I've met so many people through different ones and it's really excellent. Yeah. For me, though, I think I've transferred that a bit into real life now as well. I'm less reserved about starting a conversation. It's demystified it for me a bit, Zoom, I think. 
Okay. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank it's you been a pleasure, Henry. For those three top tips and, and those examples of uh, how to create a happy workplace. Thank you so much. I could feel you smiling when Jason started to talk about the three, two, one, zero, you know, because I know that's one of your favorite strategies. Absolutely. It is. I have, I have, for five years, I have not suffered from email overload thanks to three, two, one, zero. Well, I could say I've tried, Henry, I've tried. So I might just do the three, two, one, but I haven't got to the zero as yet. Oh. But <laughs> I'm still, I'm still on it. But um, it was good to hear how it's worked um, for Jason. I really liked the part where he decided just to take time out, to time away to actually for him to reflect where he's at, you know, and what's going on for him. And I don't, I think that's something that we don't do enough of. Like we may have annual leave, but we don't actually use time to actually just take a step back. What I really loved is when he said that previously he thought a good man was someone who got a lot of things done. But now he thinks a good manager is someone whose team gets a lot of things done. And that it's, it's in line with multipliers. It's in line with, with all those kinds of things. And he said it's really powerful to step away from making the decision. Instead, you let people in your team make those decisions, which is exactly what, it, what we, we talked about earlier, isn't it? And what was that he said referred to people like um, HPPO, the hippo? <laughs> the hippo. Do you know about the hippo? I do, but I always get it wrong. So tell me, Henry. Okay, the hippo is the highest paid person's opinion. And uh, generally, in any meeting or any event, it's the highest paid person who gets the most credence. But actually... The highest paid person is normally the person furthest from the front line and the person who should have the least credence. Yeah, I think we need to let people know more about the hippo. Okay. <laughs> are you the hippo? That's the key question. Not you, not you, Maureen. No, I was going to say. Are, 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 <laughs> listeners, are, are you the hippo in the, in, in the meeting or the event? Sorry, and one of the last things that he said to finish it off on is like to celebrate Remember we said is celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. You know, we don't do enough about celebrate. Let's not keep looking at the negatives. Celebrate the things that go wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. On the- <laughs> let's keep creating more joy at work, Henry. Yeah. Let's keep creating more joy at work. Absolutely.